This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. A little while back, I joined my colleagues from the Angel Network at the official opening of the Heart for Africa Bakery. Sponsored by the Jewish Board and the Angel Network, the bakery offers unemployed women, including eight refugees and two South Africans, the opportunity to become professional bakers. The initiative of the bakery stems from Jeanne Baswa, both a human rights activist and a teacher at Sacred Heart, with the support of the school's head, Miss Heather Blankensee. Miss Blankensee is my guest now to tell me more about this initiative, as well as many more that the school is supporting. Ms. Blankensee, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Good morning, Sharice. Please call me Heather and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Heather, we met at the opening of the bakery. It was such a beautiful morning. It was still warm, not raining that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had the opportunity to actually be on the site to see the oven, to see the men and women putting the bread in, making it out, tasting it afterwards. Mm. Tell me a little bit about that initiative. So, very interestingly, Jean Boissa, as you mentioned, is a teacher at Sacred Heart College. Um, he has a passion for uh, foreign nationals who um, have nowhere to live and are unrecognized in South Africa. And he has established a foundation, um, uh, Right to Live, and he entered into a partnership with Angel Network and was supplying a significant number of foreign nationals um, in terms of uh, food and um, supporting them during COVID. And he became aware of some incredible bakeries in different parts of the the country. And I think through Angel Network and then obviously the Jewish Board of Deputies, uh, he approached um, them for funding. And um, he just felt that just given the community that is so close to our school and on our doorstep, um, that he would like the bakery to be situated at Sacred Heart College. Uh, there's another connection in terms of, of work that we've done with other um, refugees and foreign nationals. And so it was the ideal place for this bakery to be situated. So we donated the land and Angel Network and the Jewish Board of Deputies provided the funding and um, rights to live uh, benefits and so do the individuals who are trained. What is incredible about this initiative is that it is uh, ongoing. You've got the structure now. You've got the ability for these women to teach others, and they can now go out and be very employable. That's what's so exciting is that um, our vision for the the whole process was to ensure that we weren't just training and upskilling individuals so that they can either go into uh, jobs as bakers, either in, in the different retailers who have bakeries, or they could start their own businesses. But our our other goal was to promote social cohesion. So by having foreign nationals and refugees working alongside South Africans, uh, an important part of this project is to build bridges. So you're upskilling individuals, giving them an opportunity to to earn a livelihood, um, either as entrepreneurs or as people who are employed. Do you know the current status of those that did the first course? Yes. So what is interesting is um, that three of them are currently still with um, uh, with Sacred Hearts, uh, Hearts for Africa Bakery, and um, two others have moved on um, and have actually found employment 
um, even although they hadn't quite completed their training, um, they had received enough um, uh, sufficient skills to be able to move into into um, employment. Which is exactly what the intention is. Correct. The other thing about this project that was so exciting is um, the yeah I'm looking for the words to describe it. You talk about social cohesion. You've got foreigners and you've got South Africans. You're empowering both, and that is really where social cohesion comes in. This is what you're passionate about at the school. You've also got the 3 to 6 program. Do you want to tell me a little about that? Yes. So in 2007, um, we were challenged um, to actually go beyond um, the margins of, of our community and to recognize that um, there were many people in crisis and particularly um, young children. And even although our constitution um, provides the right um, for these young um, children to go to school, their access to, to many state schools is denied because they don't have the necessary papers, um, often because they've lost them, um, they've had to flee their countries of origin under really difficult circumstances. And so um, we put a plan together. Um, at the time, the head of college, Colin Northmore, was the driving force, but we formed a, a working group and um, put together a, a, an educational project that ran from 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock, uh, hence the name. And the the purpose of that was to try and give the children, first of all, a place of safety uh, during the day in the in the afternoon, also to give them a bridging course that would allow them to get sufficient sort of knowledge and skills uh, to be able to move into the state sector. And then our goal was also to place them in schools. Running alongside that were um, teachers who were also foreign nationals. And so the the design of that project was to actually also upskill the, the, the foreign national uh, or refugee teachers so that they could also be placed in uh, into the um, state education system and support uh, all of the children of South Africa. Again, Heather, do you have, because it's been quite a long program, the um, like proof of the pudding and the success? 100%. We have the most remarkable alumni. And, in fact, um, I can talk about a, a young man who matriculated um, at Sacred Heart College. So the school, um, the three to six, would go up to grade six, and then after that, um, the students would be placed in various uh, schools, and some of them uh, may be fortunate enough to actually have um, to to win a scholarship. And uh, Jamie Lazunga is one of our matriculants. In fact, he was uh, our, one of our top achievers. In fact, he came second if we were to rate um, people. And he was he was a young man who went through the um, the three to six program and then had the opportunity to come to Sacred Heart. Uh, we have another young man, um, uh, Randry. He is um, currently studying to be a teacher. He matriculated in 2019. And um, there are yeah, countless um, stories that I could tell about students who've successfully navigated um, the state education system and gone on to study at university. Sadly, there are some students who, because they still don't have the necessary documentation, um, are denied that opportunity. And Jamie, unfortunately, despite his 
seven distinctions is sitting in that uh, very situation. You know, we work with uh, Yakima from the Harvest Centre, Yakima Buena. Uh, yes. And she takes, she started a little ECD for kids from Plastic City, which are mm. all migrants. And this lack of documentation mm. is limiting in every possible way from going to a hospital. Is there, are there NGOs that are established just for the purpose of helping with documentation? Because it's, from, from what I can see, a very big problem mm. and n- one that needs to be solved for these people to continue in their life. Yes. So, in fact, we work um, very closely with a number of, of organizations. So the Jesuit Refugee Services uh, support us. Um, uh, lawyers for Human Rights uh, support us. And I was very fortunate to meet to to actually meet um, some, I think it was five young social workers who are based in Hillbrow at the Outreach Foundation, and they're also working um, to help people uh, access the necessary documentation. Um, And so uh, we're very conscious that that this is something that needs to be addressed. And so part of our three to six program is an advocacy program. So we also have um, been very fortunate to meet with the, the Minister of Home Affairs um, and just explain um, the crisis that exists amongst um, migrants and, and um, people who are, are displaced um, for various reasons. You talk about advocacy, and I remember having a grade 11 student learner uh, on the show here, and that was just after the Dudula called mm. for action against migrants. And um, I was very impressed when I opened my page of the Sunday Times to see a letter written by the grade 11s of Sacred Heart. And for me, it showed that you not only walk the walk, you talk the talk. (laughs) And being brave has consequences as well. Oh, yes. (laughs) That is absolutely true. And I I just want to also commend your students for, for taking it that step. It's easy to kind of on one hand, do, but to, to take it that next step, and I think your school does that. Mm. And Thank you. I, I imagine it's one of the values that you instill. Yes, I think the uh, the question of, of ethical leadership and social justice are, are very much part of our, our values. And you do that by giving the students a voice, um, and it's not an untamed voice. It's an educated, informed voice. So that that initiative came um, through the history uh, class. Uh, they were actually in grade 10, and um, they were talking about all sorts of things. Um, that's what I love about our teachers is that they are often um, able to, to use stories and narratives to shift um, our students' thinking. And so um, she actually, I think one of the students had brought the article to her, and so they had this discussion, um, and she said, "Well, let's let's think about it." And I think their big concern was that the that the journalism was um, was unbalanced and that there was significant bias. That's correct. Um, and yes. so that's what they spoke up about. And so it is. It's it's very much embedded um, in who we are as a school, and not just recently. It's something that goes back um, many many years. Um, this idea of, of of inclusion and of social justice. Uh, I think that's that's certainly what what people would remember Sacred Heart College uh, for. Before we leave the three to six, I do have a message from Mary Ann Elho. Is that correct? 
And it says three to six was welcomed by our Holy Family College in Parktown. My classroom was designated as a classroom for their use. And that's from Mary Ann in Northcliffe. Does that ring a bell? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, we are incredibly excited because um, the way that the project evolved, uh, so it was 14 years old. We were able, um, first of all, to start it on the Sacred Heart campus, um, leveraging uh, uh, available classrooms in the afternoon. Then we moved on to the, onto a public school um, campus that was Observatory Girls and then to Holy Family. And we've now, um, through the incredibly uh, uh, sort of generous uh, support of the Marist uh, brothers, have been able to take the three campuses um, and actually move into a, a, another school, into Dominican Convent School. Uh, and instead of just the three hours, the children are now getting a full uh, school day with co-curricular activities and, of course, the usual uh, um, psychosocial support uh, that goes with that. So that's meals, transport, um, counselling, uh, and and other engagements. Which is really incredible. Now, anybody who knows anything about Sacred Heart knows that it is a beautiful school with huge grounds. I know as a parent, I've taken children to come and play sport at Sacred Heart. Um, but you've turned your grounds into a vegetable garden, and it's not only for foreign nationals, it's for the staff mm. that work there as well, from the security staff to the ground staff. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So, in fact, um, a couple of our support staff had always had um, like a little vegetable patch here and there. But during COVID, uh, we were very, very conscious of uh, food insecurity and, and concerns that many, many people were not able to, to feed their families. So we did establish uh, a food bank. But then uh, we felt that there were some spaces in the school where they were underutilized. So some of the edges towards our fences uh, could be really um, uh, sort of accessed. And um, so we set up two community gardens. Uh, we were supported by alumni in, in our thinking. And uh, what it led to is um, one of the community gardens is for for families uh, who who then can come and uh, grow particular vegetables that perhaps are not easily accessible, and um, so they would grow. And I know that they're growing the most amazing things: sweet potatoes and obviously the usual vegetables, but but a number of things that may not be easily available in the mar the markets. Um, so they harvest that for their family and for for um, uh, livelihoods. And then we have a second garden where our alumni parents um, who are associated with Observatory can. They um, work uh, in a particular space where they harvest uh, vegetables, and that supports a soup kitchen at St. Francis Parish uh, in Yeovil. And um, part of Observatory can anybody who is in need. So they supplement that with other food donations. And um, I'm constantly amazed at how much they're able to actually harvest. And then, of course, our, our support staff um, and our teachers were given the opportunity to, um, to, to plant vegetables as well. And so we have a number of people who, who are doing that. When it's so big and so many different ownerships and people involved, whose responsibility ultimately is it? Is it to look after the garden? Because 
the one I saw, and I, I think I saw the staff one, is that yes. right? Um, was huge and growing, and but it needs attention. Mm. Whose responsibility does that? So interestingly enough, it is in fact um, the individuals who benefit from from that particular space. So in the case of our support staff, um, they might use their lunch hour or just before they go home um, to to do a little bit of work um, in the, in the garden. Um, certainly, the um, ob- the observatory can um, alumni parents. There's a, a fabulous, very lively group, and they ask for seeds, and they come and dig up. And our three to six alumni actually often come and visit uh, because we run a um, a monthly um, support program for the for the three to six alumni. They also work in the garden and harvest um, and take home, and um, and then the parents of of some of our scholarship children also. Um, garden. So uh, we provide the water, we provide the facilities, but um, it's looked after by the people who are committed to making those projects work. And I think it's that ownership that makes it successful. Heather, um, I haven't heard the term CAN since I associated with COVID. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm delighted to hear that CANs are still operational. And I know this isn't kind of mm. your area, but obviously you work very closely with Observatory CAN. Has it continued through through COVID right until now, and does it still have the same passion and commitment? Well, I can only speak for the observatory group, and I am constantly amazed at the commitment. Um, I, I see the messages going out um, regularly. Oh, I've got a bag of soya mints. Um, who can come and work in the garden? Um, please could somebody come and pick up the vegetables and take it to um, St. Francis. So, you know, whether or not it's still, you know, I think it is officially um, observatory can, but just that passion and commitment. And a lot of them are um, people who also care desperately, not just about um, uh, sort of the, the people that are part of our community. They're also very concerned about sustainability, about climate change. So we've got one chap who's very... Um, keen on solar installations, and he does a lot of work um, in providing um, low-cost housing with solar projects, but once again, community-based and community-owned. I think we have time for one more project, and I'm going to allow you to choose which last project you'd like to tell me about. So we currently, um, we've received some funding for um, a a hospitality space um, to refurbish uh, two classrooms and turn it into um, sort of a hospitality classroom. And the idea is that we'll use that during the day for our own students to benefit from. But then in the afternoon and in the evening, um, through partnerships with the Turquoise Harmony Institute and other organizations, um, we will also bring um, students across uh, to to get some hospitality experience, to get uh, some uh, computing skills, and obviously some entrepreneurship and life skills, so that they're also able to move into um, into either the world of work or to generate their own their own income. So to conclude, then, will and to go back to where we started. Mm-hmm our full circle of the bakery, does the bakery supply food? Can people buy both parents, kitties, all of them? Yes. So at the moment, um, there's a very important step that has to be put in place. Um, 
once all of the training was done, uh, we needed to get um, a, a health certificate. So that is in process at the moment. Um, but I can tell you now, having tasted all of the amazing pizzas, the, the ciabatta bread, the rolls, um, and having put on probably a kilogram in the process, um, we intend to open in May um, and uh, we'll supply three to six at, at, at Dominican with, with rolls and, um, and then have a mechanism for people to order. Um, in our community, and then I know that the pizza will be something that our students will be uh, looking forward to. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming in. I will see you again when we we do the next bunch of students, because this is an ongoing project. Yes. So I look forward to that. And as I always say, there's nothing better than the fresh smell of bread coming out of a, an oven. Absolutely, and thank you so much for the the opportunity. It's just so exciting to share the passion. That, um, that our school has and that the individuals have um, and the support from the Jewish Board of Deputies and the Angel Network. We really appreciate that. Thank you. We enjoy the partnership. Thank you very much. That was Miss Heather Blackensee, who is the head of Sacred Heart College.